0: so how's it going
1: you know what i feel pretty damn good (laughs) i'm so glad new year right that is like the first time i've said that in well over a year i know and yeah i feel fucking fantastic right now
2: well i'm so glad um we're going to talk about the elephant in the room right now Yes, we have new intro music. There is. She's real cute. Our new intro music, our audience just was introduced to for the first
1: time. Yay, I hope you all love it.
2: We have been working hard here behind the scenes at Lifetime Sentence to freshen up, update ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, We are... It's a new
1: year, new us on the personal front and the professional front. Absolutely. I hope y'all are ready because we're about to hit you some great fucking content.
2: I am hitting that proverbial podcast treadmill, treadmill. I am shedding some weight. I am getting my hair colored. I'm a new fresh person and we have new intro music.
1: Yes. I am also hitting... The podcast treadmill and the actual treadmill. I, I, as you know, um, there's a popular, a very popular company that's giving away two months free on their app right now. Right. And I won't say who it is, even though I'm sure everybody knows, because I'm sure their timeline is just as full of it as mine is. But if that company would like to send me a bike or a treadmill, I will happily talk about it on this show.
2: Yeah, don't put me down for cardio.
1: Oh, you can put me down for cardio. Um, so yeah. Um, but yeah, hitting the podcast treadmill and the regular one. I am just doing it up real good for myself this year. And you're looking
2: good. Like for somebody who's actually like doing things, you're not dead. Like you're kind of glowing. Like I'm real pissed because I look like this and as I told you, my second and third chins are my first line of defense for creeps. And right now I'm getting a fourth defense there. And so like
1: maybe. Oh, man. The COVID, I won't say how much is real. Oh, um, 100%. I got to get it off me and then some. Um, I, As you know, you know, we just talked about this on our Patreon. So if you're not on our Patreon, go there because patreon.com slash lifetime sentence now, I'll plug the real one. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and um, listen to our year in review. But yeah, there's some really exciting shit going on in both of our lives. So
2: it is. Uh... And we
1: both pulled ourselves out of the deep, dark hole that we were both in all year in 2020. Yes. Just and, in time to make our grand comeback in twenty twenty.
2: Absolutely, and to be a little sappy here at the top, I appreciate everyone who stuck through it with us. Um, mm-hmm. The last time I was dealing with depression as thick as I had it um, was probably the year that I was first medicated for depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the most miserable version of myself. And I felt bad for anyone who had to put up with me. So the fact that there are people who listened to us through all of that just is a Mm -hmm. testament to how incredible our audience is and our listeners and our family. We just, we love you so much.
1: Yes. And I, you know, I've been through worse things, but I don't think I've ever been as miserable as I was this year. Right. So, yeah. um, I feel great. How do you feel?
2: <laughs> I feel wonderful. I'm growing my hair out. So I really am a new person. I'm doing the Dan Levy. So I'm growing my hair out so I can do the Dan Levy. I think that'll look good oh, on my face. Oh, sure. Uh huh. Sure. Yeah.
1: I think I'm going to go blonde in a, in a week. Tell Not you... even a couple weeks anymore.
2: That's awesome. Did no I tell wish. you I'm going red? Like, are we really doing m- major switch ups here? Yeah. Man.
1: Well, you've seen the blonde a minute ago. I sent it to our group chat yeah. and was like, "I'm thinking about doing this. Am I crazy?" And everyone was like, "No, that's no, totally cool." Good. So,
2: see, but like, I say things like, "I'm thinking about getting a nose ring," and then I don't follow through, so I forget. Other people actually follow through, except I still think I, mean, I need a nose ring right here. I want I want it. a little hoop, not a, not a, not a, a
1: not a septum piercing. Yeah,
2: thank you. I want I want one right here, a cute little ring,
1: like Anna. You want to be like Anna? I do. Doesn't
2: everyone want to be like Anna?
1: (laughs) Uh, For me, like hair is hair. It grows back. Uh I'm not too concerned. I can't really fuck it up. Um, Yeah.
2: Well, that's why I haven't. Oh, sorry. I don't know what I thought I was about to say. Um, But yeah, so new us, new things are coming at Lifetime Sentence. Mm -hmm. Do you want to hit some of those things at the top before we get into this Wild episode, yeah, yeah, um, so I am rebuilding our website. We are mm-hmm. switching things over. um, it's still probably a couple of weeks out, but that is coming um a more user friendly and twenty twenty one type website um, yes. that is more than just a static placeholder of our episodes. Um, yes. Our merch shop is moving from our current host um so that it can be more personalized and more accessible to you guys
1: yes i am so excited about our merch shifting just because it opens up so many more possibilities for us on the merch front oh yeah
2: um Mm -hmm. it's just the products that they were telling me that are available to us now that i would have never thought about and then um just we have so many more opportunities and i think that that is a really yeah. great switch
1: mm-hmm it's gonna be a good switch um and then do you want to tell the big news or do you want me to tell the big news you can't we started a tiktok we're on tiktok y'all yeah um so tuesdays we're gonna do true crime tuesdays where we do a minute-long video it'll be us alternating and maybe if we're ever in the same room again because covid leaves we can do one together yes um we'll do a minute-long video um talking about a true crime um and then thursdays will be um outtakes of our episode um kind of clips and stuff so that you can send them to your friends send them to famous people send them to people you know send them to people you don't know send them to and, like Brian. Uh, mm, the back street boys <laughs> John Hamm- does John John Ham doesn't even have an Instagram. He probably doesn't have a TikTok.
2: Um, well, I mean, John Ham knows about us. I'm sh- I'm sure John Ham knows about us and is avoiding us at all costs.
1: <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> that is probably correct. What if John Ham is our anonymous patron, our patron with the pseudonym? <laughs> What's up, Johnny? Hey. how dare you call him johnny what is wrong with you i think listen
2: when he and i are alone that's what i call him he doesn't know it yet (laughs) because we haven't been alone Uh, but i know i know (laughs) oh man we are going to all right new year new us i'm ending this episode now (laughs) yeah
1: New year, new Paul with a restraining order from John Ann.
0: <laughs> Worth it.
1: Yikes. <laughs> so, yes, go follow us on TikTok at Lifetime Sentence. I'll be adding the link also in our Instagram bio, which, if you don't know, is also at Lifetime Sentence. I um, wish Twitter
2: yeah. would expand the characters we could have in our name so we could take it there too. Yeah well i don't know we haven't checked in a while maybe they have they made some changes they haven't i figured not but
1: they have not
2: Uh, yes yeah so lots of updates do you want to get oh lots of changes Any more? Um, more? no well so i just wanted to say like we have a plan going into this year which is so unlike us um and we uh, just appreciate you guys, you all of you staying with us and helping us grow.
1: You know, I read a meme, or not a meme, but like a thing that said, you know, 2020 was the year to survive and 2021 is the year to live.
2: In fact, 2020 is the year to thrive. We got this. Yes. Yeah.
1: And that is what we are going to do.
2: 100%. Mm-hmm. All right. We are
1: both arriving right now it's the best and speaking Um,
2: of all the changes this is lifetime sentence yes and i'm paul
1: and i'm erin
2: and we are ready for our happy 100th episode erin
1: and it's our second anniversary
2: happy anniversary happy anniversary happy anniversary happy anniversary happy anniversary when you texted me or when you texted our group and said, let's start a podcast, and I was like, okay, did you expect <laughs> that we would make it 100 episodes in two years?
1: I mean, yeah. Okay. Because for the most part, I don't do things half-assed. I do them with my whole ass. Right. Um, and then 2020 happened. I didn't know if we were going to make it out of 2020, but I thought going in in the very beginning... That we were going to do good things.
2: Absolutely. It, about mid
1: 2020. I didn't know if we'd make it past 2020.
2: No. And we did. So behind the curtains, we did have a very serious come to Jesus talk.
1: We did. A
2: couple months ago. Like are is this a thing that is going to survive? And I didn't know when we were having that talk, if it was going to be a thing that was going to survive. And then you and I both pulled ourselves out of darkness and here we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I am so glad for this fresh start for th- Me too. This huge smile for this episode Yay! for a hundred episodes for two years. So excited for that giant pink cup that I can only imagine is full of um, Snoop Dogg wine. Water. Oh well Jesus hasn't come yet. Okay. You waiting for him to come.
1: <laughs> I am trying to stay as hydrated as which just really means that I have to pee every thirty seconds. Uh-huh.
2: So, yep, yeah. But, but considering you decided to get every flu you could three times this year, you you need lots of water in your life.
1: It's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Oh gosh. That, let's not ever talk about last year oh. ever again. I
2: feel like I should redact it every time we mention it. I'll just put a big bleep when we mention twenty twenty. <laughs>
1: Mm -hmm. that'll work that'll work oh goodness all right well what case are we doing this week the case of this
2: month the case that haunted me as a child that is my biggest um first big step into true crime i should say um Mm -hmm. this is the mystery of who is the man behind barney And we are...
1: I watched the wrong movie. (laughs) We are curious as to
2: who is a purple dinosaur from our imagination. No, this is um, the unsolved murder of JonBenet Ramsey.
1: It is.
2: That was a lot of hesitation. Erin, are you saying you don't love this case as much as Us Weekly does?
1: Okay, listen. Star, I'm gonna magazine. level with you. I'm gonna level with everyone. Um, I know that this is a lot of people's one case, you know, everybody has one case, uh huh. Um, that they, you know, as Karen Kilgareth says, it's their favorite murder. Uh huh. Um, this is not mine. This case enrages me and. I don't understand why everyone, well, I mean, I guess I understand why people are so obsessed with it, but it this case just drives me up the fucking wall. So. it, it I can't think about it because I run myself in circles until I'm just pissed off.
2: Um, so I, first of all, I need some help on a timeline.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What year did Princess Diana die? 1997. Okay, so a little bit later than this.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so yeah, okay, that's what I thought. So this was 1996. OJ Simpson was also around this. Um. So yeah. th- these were the first three big cases that we had a 24-hour news cycle following. Yeah. And I think you got sucked into Princess Diana and OJ a lot more than this particular case, but like,
1: well, and I was older, and so maybe like in 1996, I was in eighth grade, right?
2: Um, I was
1: about to be in high school. No, when this happened, I was. Wait, I don't know how time works. So nice. Okay, I was not I was in eighth grade. Um Yeah,
2: you were but you were approaching high school. Um uh, meanwhile yeah. I I think she's one year younger than me. Mm-hmm. She's two years younger than me. So she was essentially my age. All the pictures that flashed on the screen were people, you know, were they look right. like me. Um but w- so I think that part of the obsession that came with this, though, was that it was that 24 hour news cycle is being shoved down everybody's throats. You couldn't mm-hmm. turn on the TV without there being updates for a long time about this particular case. Oh, I
1: remember and- how much this and- case was covered. And
2: so I think that part of that is why it is so many people's one case not even that they are that fascinated by it if it had happened like today for instance but because it was at the time so shoved down and put in front of everybody that you couldn't help but be pulled into it um yeah. now the other thing Can i, I, I think say
1: to the reason because because i was older and because I think the reason a lot of people believe different things than what I believe happened in this case is because when it happens when you're young you want to you want to jump to the most logical conclusion. Right. And the most logical conclusion is that the parents did it or the brother or someone in the right, family. Right, someone
2: in the family. But I
1: don't think they did.
2: Um and we'll get into that. Now
1: they made huge mistakes, and we will get into that because yes. they should have been tried for obstruction of justice for sure. Oh, but, absolutely. Yeah, but I don't think they did it. So and so, I think too, because people people get so passionate about the fact that that they believe this family did it, is that I'm like, I don't even care enough to argue with you, right? But I'm going to argue with you tonight. So Good. That's
2: what I was hoping for. 2021 is the year that we finally have it out. And even though what we're talking <laughs> about is JonBenet Ramsey, what we're really doing is having therapy and settling every issue we have ever brushed under the rug. <laughs> yeah. um, no. So I will say, though, as an adult, I don't find this case nearly as fascinating as I did when I was younger. Um, and I am, in fact, just pissed off that it gets covered so frequently that that so many people make so much money off of the murder of this little girl now. Oh that my God. there is always a special. There is always, and they're selling big advertisements during it. You know, like CBS did that special a few years ago. I'll talk about it. That was a two parter <gasps> that was so problematic. And they were selling huge ad space to that. So the producers. You
1: know they- they ended up paying Burke Ramsey six hundred million dollars.
2: Is that what they settled it for? I couldn't find an official statement That's that said it they I heard. For. Is that
1: it was six hundred million dollars?
2: Um, but so, but leading up to that, they, you know, they had made so much money, and I just, they were profiting off this, this horrible murder and off the, the potential pain of of these people, you know, yeah. and. I, and that's what I see as an adult who is a lot more removed from. She is a she. I mean, yes, she was a little girl, but a lot more removed from. I am also a child seeing a child. that, that, mm-hmm. that uh, you know somebody my age was murdered. Now I'm looking at at I I now am parenting a two year old and looking through mm-hmm. the eyes of a like foster parent. This is horrible that so many people have have profited well, from I this. And I think
1: that too is another issue I have with it is because it it has become so much about who did it and why the family did it and why it was a big cover up and what da da. da, da. nobody talks about John Bonet. No, herself.
2: No, her memory nobody is not about her. honored at all.
1: Everyone talks about who did it and, and the, all the theories and the conspiracy nonsense. And it pisses me off. She was a, she was a child. She was a baby.
2: One of the articles I did my research from, and I wish I did looked at so many articles that I couldn't even begin to write them all down. Um, but one of the articles I looked at started out by saying, "This year, John Bonet would be thirty years old," and then it went through like what what thirty year old life is like. And so they they started by humanizing this all because the only pictures that exist of her anymore are the one her glamour shots they don't Mm -hmm. have pictures of her playing with a toy train or anything like that and this this um journalist did such a beautiful job at rehumanizing the the person that was the victim of this crime and not the entity that the media built Mm -hmm. up
1: and I think this happens a lot with uh, with child cases where the child just becomes a caricature Uh uh-huh and they're not like a human. People don't see them as like a human. They become like a caricature and like a stand in for, oh my God, what if that was my child? Exactly. Um, and we forget that she was an actual child with right. a life ahead of her and a personality and all of those things that children have. Right. So, well, let me tell you about this movie and then we'll go from there. Okay. <laughs> um, so, this movie stars Ian Bailey. He plays Detective Steve.
2: Like old times. Like we're in our very first episode ever, I just got an email that I won't be able to edit out that sound.
1: <laughs> that has not happened in so long. We're going back to our roots, guys. <laughs> um, he is from Band of Brothers, Fight Club, Ray Donovan, Once Upon a Time, Center Stage...
2: Okay, who is this person? What e. What is his name? Ian e. Bailey. Sorry, I like I recognize this name, but I also Center
1: Stage. Uh, he played Jim in Center Stage.
2: Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay.
1: And this year, most recently, you will know him by one of my top five Christmas movies of the year: Deliver by Christmas.
2: Yes.
1: Yes. Um, And then we have Julia Campbell. She plays Patsy Ramsey. She was in *Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. Dexter, Justified, and Awkward on MTV, I think. Yes. Um, And then finally we have, I think it's Michelle, because it's M-I-C-H-E-L. Okay. Maybe it's Michael. Um, Gil. He plays John Ramsey. Um, he is in Mr. Robot and House of Cards.
2: It is pronounced Michael, and he is sometimes credited with the A-E
1: spelling. Okay, okay, yeah. He, in here, he's just the E-L, so I didn't know. Right. Um, and at the top of this, of this movie, I don't think we've gotten this before. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Based on actual events...
2: I feel like we have before, but it's not often for sure. Because
1: I know we've gotten based on true events, based on... Because we talked
2: about the three categories. There's inspired by true events, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: based on true events.
1: There's based on a true story. Based on a true
2: story. But we've had three categories, so we had to have had this based on true events.
1: We had inspired... Um, Inspired by True Event I, We'll have to go back and look But yeah. I think this might be new It might not be I okay. don't know Um, We opened with a baby beauty pageant footage Yay <sighs> Okay And I'm not going to mom shame Because It's not the th- something that I would do with my child But that doesn't mean that it's not worthwhile So Right um, You know um, we also get regular little girl footage of Jean Bonet, um as well as the actress playing her. So they go back and forth between actual videos and okay. uh, the actress. um the little girl the oh God, this is why I hated this movie so much. I forgot
0: I blocked okay. it.
1: This movie is narrated by Jean Bonet.
2: No, no, this is like the lovely bones.
1: yeah. Um Jasmine's voiceover is about how this is just like a fairy tale and I was like only very different?
2: Right. Well, maybe like like a Grimm's fairy tale.
1: She says about a princess and then she whispers oh the bedtime prayer that we all know.
2: Now lay me down to sleep.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. I pray the Lord just my soul to keep if I die before I wake I pray the Lord my soul to take. Um and she whispers it and can we just no, okay. was, with the little girl. Was this the haunting
2: words. on Hill House? I think you watched the wrong movie. <laughs> God.
1: Ooh, okay. Um, The little girl says the last thing she remembers, that's the last thing she remembers, is saying those words, the prayer. Then she fell asleep, and she doesn't remember anything after that.
2: I don't like this one bit.
1: I wrote, this movie is already canceled. <laughs> <laughs> and it's day one, December 26th, 1996. We hear the famous 911 call. We have a kidnapping. There's a note and my daughter's gone. Um, then we cut to 30 hours later because this is lifetime and time has no meaning. Um, right. We meet Steve Thomas, the detective. Um, oh, and this is where I wrote, Jesus fucking Christ, this little girl's going to narrate the whole goddamn movie. <laughs> <laughs> Very upset about it. Ugh, okay. So Steve is fighting with the district attorney about plea bargains, and Wait, then so his who, partner- who, who was
2: Steve played by? Ian Bailey. That's, okay, that's Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just contextualizing. Pinocchio. Didn't he play August in Once Upon a Time? He played Pinocchio
1: yes yes yes, yeah. yes i didn't watch that show but you, oh you said yeah it, yes. I, I watched remember, so, yeah. so
2: that's one of the few shows if you're like
1: that's jim from center stage you'd be like yes, yeah yeah so.
2: it's also jim from center stage but that's one of the few shows that i watched in its entirety um oh. also new year new paul i've watched three full seasons of schitt's creek in a, like no time at all
1: and you love it don't i you?
2: love it i knew you would.
1: Okay. So then his partner, buddy, friend pulls him into a meeting about the Ramsey girl. In another office, two more people are fighting because the Ramseys want to take Jean Bonnet to be buried in Atlanta, but the Boulder police don't want to release the body just yet. There's lots of yelling already. Um, oh, the district attorney keeps telling the police commander that you can't, quote, ransom the body. Okay. Um, then he turns to Steve and his friend and asks them if they're ready for this because he needs this one closed quickly. Steve assures him that he's been an investigator for a very long time and so he's pretty sure he knows what he's doing. Um, boss man says okay and then goes to leave the office. Then he turns around and he's like, Uh, by the way, the scene wasn't preserved. Bye.
0: Oh, great.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, so Steve's like, uh, what? And he just turns, out, he's like, it just wasn't okay. And he leaves. And I'm like, no, that is literally your job. I can tell you from 2021 that it is not okay that you did not preserve the scene.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, Mm-mm. nope.
1: Um, so they go talk to Linda, who was there, and we flashback to when the police arrive. Um, Jean Bonnet voiceover is that this is her mommy and daddy who are showing the police, the ransom note that mommy was miss West Virginia once and put her in a lot of pageants too, because she looked pretty in a tiara. Okay. Um, she then reads the ransom note. um, Two cops are outside whispering about what the ransom note said, and one tells the other, quote, these are influential people, so treat them as such. And can we just stop this? There's a child missing. Can everyone just fuck politeness and do their goddamn job, which is find the kid? Right. There's a child missing. You find the child. I don't care if they're the richest people in town or the poorest people in town, there is a child missing, you go find the kid. Nobody gets special treatment while you're trying to find their kid. Right. Ugh. And here comes the parade of people just tromping through the the crime scene because uh, they're allowed inside for reasons, I guess. Okay. So the friends, all decide to go on another hunt for Jean Bonnet. So everyone's poking around and touching everything. An officer overhears Patsy tell the story to her friends, and it's slightly different than the one she told the first time. So they go wake up Burke and take him to John's friend Fleet's house. The police try to stop them, saying they have questions, but John's like, no. Um, Detective Linda is briefing John about how to respond to the kidnapper's call. Um, they talk about the ransom amount, um, and like why it's so specific and weird. Um, Patsy comes in and is like, it was the housekeeper. And I was like, I've never even heard that theory. Tell me more, Patsy. Yeah. (laughs) 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 It's like, what? (laughs) Was it? Um, so, do-do-do. The movie just keeps going. Things are happening, but nothing is really happening. Um, Patsy keeps crying. The police keep looking around. The time for the ransom call comes and goes. They talk more about the housekeeper, and they go over the ransom note again. Patsy backpedals on her previous accusation of the housekeeper. Um, Detective Linda finally snaps at people to stop touching shit, um, like, four hours later. Oh, good. But she has been left all alone there and has lost complete control of the situation.
2: (laughs) This is awful. This is a nightmare.
1: Listen, the ways that the police fucked this up... Oh. I can't
2: even. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: Patsy and John are both MIA, and Detective Linda has had it. So she suggests that John and Fleet go search the house again and see if anything was stolen. That's what they were supposed to be doing. Um, Instead, they find... Um, Jean-Benet's body, which John then picks up and carries upstairs, while Detective Linda screams at him not to touch anything and put her down. <laughs> I don't. I like. I, this is real.
2: This is what really happened. And it just ev- really happened. every time it is reiterated, I'm like, what? The f- it's not like this was 1921 where like you were given special awards for trampling a crime scene. Which is what I'm sure happened when I read about the 20s. This is 96 when we knew how like evidence worked.
1: And their, their whole like explanation is like oh well we just thought it was a missing child case. And I'm like I'm sorry do you still not need fingerprints and just a regular old missing child case? What the fuck are you people doing? Okay. So Patsy just sits literally frozen on the couch. Um, John starts screaming about how it has to be an inside job. And Patsy's friend drag her her friends drag her in to see the body, which just seems mean. Hey, come look what I found. He, um, Patsy immediately starts screaming to Jesus to raise John Bonet from the dead like he did last Lazarus. Lazarus.
2: Oh my god.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, then we cut to a bottle of diazepam and Patsy asleep on the floor, which is where I would be. Right. If it were my child. Um, Detective Linda is talking to Detective Steve and his partner about talking with, um, oh, okay. So they're in like the bathroom of the police station, like talking about how badly this was fucked up.
2: (laughs) I mean, where else Um, do you go to have private conversations?
1: Um... Then we cut back to John Ramsey getting his plane ready because he has important business in Atlanta? Yes, yeah, I, yeah, I don't... Yes, this is a thing, and I don't understand. So they tell him he can't leave, and his friend volunteers to let them stay at their house. John asks them to give him them a day because they just lost their daughter. Uh, the police. To give them a day before they interview. And I'll tell you my theory on what happened. During okay. that day, but, um, later, um, um, so yeah, the commander's like, oh yeah, they can totally have a day. And I was like, what a dipshit. Um, right. so some dude goes to talk to Burke who claims not to know anything and asks if they're still going to Michigan because he's a child too. And he has no real understanding of long-term consequences for Immediate happenings. Um, Detective Steve and his partner, who I'm just going to call no name because they never say his name.
0: Great. Love it.
1: Um, go listen to the 911 call and analyze it. And now we review the ransom note, which they call the war and peace of ransom. Notes.
2: <laughs> Great. It was two and a half fucking pages long.
1: It was. Um, Then he finds a practice note, which the guy, and the fact that it was written on the same pad of paper. And this is where I just wrote, this case infuriates me. It Uh makes me so angry. Uh Um, We see photos and clips of everyone at the Christmas party that they had gone to. Fleet's wife points out to her husband how Patsy was wearing the same clothes and her bed wasn't slept in. So she is suspicious. Okay. Especially when John's lawyer informs them that they'd like to talk to them. Okay. John's lawyers, a whole flock of them, a flock of lawyers.
2: Um, what do you call a flock of lawyers?
1: I mean, that's what I call Is that them. that just
2: like a, a bad flock. day?
1: Yeah. <laughs> if they're in the police station, yes. So, um, you know, it's
2: like a murder of crows, a bad day of lawyers.
1: Detectives, they go see Detective Steve and No Name to remind them that they're not allowed to ask the Ramseys questions
2: uh okay
1: i take so much issue with this um so they take everyone's fingerprints and dna they took photos of a bunch of people i guess including john's older kids as well
0: yes they do
1: because they i mean his older kids weren't even there but then there's like two random like mid-sized Teenagers slash 20 somethings. Yeah, they were 20 somethings.
2: They were 20 somethings <laughs> and they were not originally brought in and then they were brought in later. So both of those statements are correct.
1: Okay. So now it's the funeral and John Bonet voiceovers that it's Patsy's birthday, which
2: oh my. was that like the only oh. <laughs> day for the
1: next five years that the church was available?
2: Listen, we're we can give you a two for one special. Birth, birth, birth and mourning, It's a it's a twofer. It's a twofer.
1: It's bad. Okay. Um. So the Ramses. Oh, Detective Steve and no name are there too. Uh, the Ramses are allowed to take John body to Georgia to bury her. Patsy's mother and the rest of the family watch the news coverage of the funeral. Patsy walks in drunk or high or both uh, my money's on both um and she just like flicks off the tv and she's like they're monsters and so yeah then she like stumbles out of the room so fleet and his wife tell john that he looks like oj in the bronco and they need to go back to boulder and talk to the police okay um John's like, well, we're going to go talk to CNN, which is basically the police anyway. So
2: (laughs) Uh, Same difference. Yeah.
1: Fleet's like, no, you should really go talk to the police instead. But then we cut to the actual CNN interview of John and Patsy Ramsey. So, yeah.
2: So advice was not Uh, taken. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. Everyone at the police station watches and judges. um, Of course. As did the rest of America. Uh Um, John's lawyers stave off the police while telling the media that they are totally cooperating um detective steve is convinced that the ramses are involved but his boss tells him to look at other avenues uh steve says if they don't bring burkin they'll take him away oh so steve tells the ramses if they don't bring burkin to talk to a therapist that they're gonna take him away right because because he was has a sibling that was murdered they can like like that's the law in in colorado right like, if they don't have the child psychologically evaluated they can't they can't keep
2: right him. it it becomes a case of neglect
1: yes 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 so yeah um so we see a weird social services interview with burke and the lady asked burke if he quote has secrets which seems like a weird question to ask a child
2: yeah all children have secrets if i'm being honest
1: yeah. Um, like, what does she think he's going to
2: reveal? Like, I mean, obviously, she's hoping he's going to just, like, I killed my sister. But, like, what is she going to do if he's, like, I have a dead bird in a box under my bed? Like,
1: No, I, I think at this point, they're just trying to get him to say that his parents killed his sister. Gotcha. Okay. Not him. That's right.
2: Because that really theory really didn't come out until yeah. the CBS special.
1: Mm-hmm. And I don't buy it. So, anyway. Um while they're talking to Burke, Detective Linda sits in a cafe with Patsy who is basically threatens to kill herself and I'm like y'all this woman needs medical attention stop giving her diazepam and get her a doctor right to um, do the ter- the team of police go over to Burke to Burke to Burke's psyche valve, but boss man says it's not evidence. Oh, they go over the psyche valve, like what the the psychiatrist said, etc. And they were like, oh, yeah, this is totally suspicious. And the boss is like, "Uh, this is not evidence. Sorry. Um, which he's not wrong. It's not evidence. Right. Do, 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 do. Oh, balls. I lost my spot.
2: Um, Oh, balls. I don't know that I ever expected that to be an exclamation from you. I don't know why I'm surprised by that.
1: Steve gets called down to go over the 911 call again with an FBI analyst. Um, There's more creepy voiceover while he listens on the headphones. And this is where kind of the suspicion slightly turns to Burke. Because what they believe is that Patsy Ramsey... While on the phone says says like, oh, Jesus, like, and then you can hear John Ramsey and possibly Burke talking in the background. And John Ramsey says one thing and then Burke says, well, what did you find? Right. Um, although that is just one theory, it is right. not, and it does not go into any of the other theories about what was going on in the background of that call. Um, yeah. Two months later, Detective Steve has let this all take over his entire life. He tells his wife slash girlfriend that he doesn't think he could ever have kids anymore. And she's like, so I'm super worried about you. Um."
2: (laughs) I hear you. And listen, can we go to dinner? But um, it's a cool new restaurant called Dr. White's Therapy Office. Uh, (laughs) It's decorated. It's it's. This cool trendy thing where they decorate it with a couch and you lay on it and to order you have to you have to tell your waiter about things that are going on in your life and they custom make a dish for you. Thanks. Except
1: they don't. You don't get to eat. (laughs) (laughs) I like this idea.
2: This is how I am going to convince everybody to go to therapy from now on.
1: Listen, like, in the book that I'm working on, God, I still can't believe I'm saying that. In the book that I'm working on, like, my number one piece of advice is to go to fucking therapy. Everyone needs to go to therapy, and if you don't think you need to go to therapy, you need therapy more than any of the rest of us. Are you
2: are, are you sure you're not just going to title your book Therapy for Dinner?
1: Cause... <laughs> I might.
2: Because I think we're <laughs> on to something.
1: <laughs> um so the Ramseys finally sit down with the DA's office for the interview with their flock of attorneys. Um, as you can imagine, it does not go well. Um, and you know how sometimes we have a bulletin board with strings? Uh-huh. This police department has a whole room.
2: I choose to believe that the walls are covered in cork instead of like padded walls. <laughs> It's just rolls and rolls of corkboard and
1: corkboard and like blackboard not like the clear blackboards with um, pictures and then there's more arrows and dry Uh, erase marker. Uh Oh yes.
2: Vis-a-vis just everywhere.
1: The forensics guy finds the marker that wrote the note and it was in the house the whole time. Steve says that they staged it and Bosman is like do not get locked into that theory. Um I hate this case. (laughs) I do not know how people can spend all their time trying to figure this shit out. Um, Bossman takes Detective Linda off the case because he has too many resources devoted to it, so she quits. Okay. She's like, fuck you, I'm out. And she makes Steve promise her that he'll see the case all the way through, and he does. Uh, Spoiler alert. He's still working on it? No, Uh, he does not. He's not no longer a police officer. So,
0: I don't blame him.
1: No, I don't either. Um, Fleet and Priscilla get questioned again in a way that maybe leans too heavy on the idea that they might have committed the murder. Okay. Um. So they march down to the commander's office and demand that he make a statement that they are not suspects. And I just want to know. Who the fuck do all of these people think they are?
2: Oh, I mean, they're rich and they're white. Like.
1: I don't give a flying flip. Um, they
2: have never think they, come up against think, adversity in their life.
1: I think this is why this case makes me so angry is because it's a complete circus. And like I said earlier, it stops being about who killed Benet Ramsey almost immediately and instead becomes this weird standoff between the police and the Ramseys who both royally fucked up and that's why this case is not solved.
2: 100%. Um...
1: Anyways, back to the movie. The DA hires a new investigator so they can decide whether to bring it to a grand jury. Fleet and his wife are at home and Priscilla is getting more and more suspicious of the Ramseys. She goes on a little rant, much like my own previous one, (laughs) and, um... And starts asking who is going to stand up for the truth around here. And Fleet looks at her and he goes, "We are."
2: No, sir. <laughs> no, sir. I. That's canceled.
1: <laughs> Meanwhile, the new investigator guy arrives and take him to. They take him to look at the crime scene, where he tells them he's never seen a more compromised crime scene in his entire career. <laughs> <laughs> um he's like i literally solved a
2: crime at a circus yeah (laughs) elephants literally trampled through my crime scene and it was not as bad as this
1: (laughs) detective steve is like yes it's contaminated he's like no contaminated is not even the word to describe he's like
2: this looks like the men's room at a dive bar like what the fuck happened in here
1: Steve has to turn over the entire case file to the Ramseys, so he's sulking about it. But his hero, the new detective, who I swear is supposed to be John Douglas, and then I figure out later that it's not supposed to be John Douglas. Um, it's literally somebody else. <laughs> um, tells him that he doesn't think the Ramsey oh, so um, the new detective tells him he doesn't think the Ramseys had anything to do with it. He believes an intruder entered the house while the Ramseys were at the Christmas party. He familiarized himself with the home. He sat down and wrote the ransom note and then waited for them to, go, to come home. Um, after, at that point, he snuck up the stairs and tased her, taped her mouth, and carried her downstairs. Then when she woke up, he hit her with the flashlight. Um, and now he's not Detective Steve's hero anymore.
2: Oh, but you're supposed to agree
0: with me.
1: Yeah. But Lou, the detective, doesn't care. We see a real announcement from the actual DA that soon there will be no one on the list but the suspect. And I was like, honey, no. <laughs> <laughs> we both know you have nothing. Um, Patsy is reading fan mail. Oh, Gro- like, no while John remembers finding his daughter's dead body while he stares out the window, you know, cash. So does detective Steve goes a little rogue and goes to fleet and Priscilla and encourages them to use their influence, to have a special prosecutor appointed in the case. And like, what is this nonsense? Put your wallet away. Right. And find out what happened to this kid. God damn it. Um, so, oh, so they go to the governor, and he doesn't do anything. So they put an open letter in the to the people of Colorado in the paper, hoping to spark a revolt. Detective Steve gets in another fight with the DA about the 911 call that finally made its way into his hands, and he promptly turned over to the Ramseys. Um, Lou and Steve continue to fight, and Lou brings it back to the one thing that I can't ever get past in this case okay. to say that someone in the family did it. And that's the garage. Okay. And the fact that she died by asphyxiation, not from blunt force traumas to the head. Um, right. So the Ramseys finally agree to an interview. LOL. Um, they blame Fleet and Patricia. And Patsy says, quote, I don't give a flying flip about scientific evidence. And wow, she would have done really, really well in 2020.
2: Yeah, no joke.
1: Um, Anyways, they all swear it wasn't them, and that's that. Detective Steve is really getting down in the dumps and thinks everyone is laughing at him. He and No Name get into a fight because Steve is going to quit because no one listens to him. No Name says he really needs to stay because everyone once again has forgotten that there was a child murdered in this case. Jean-Benet voiceover says that this isn't how the story is supposed to go that Steve is supposed to figure out what happened to her. Right. So Steve quits, um, and the governor reads his open letter to the paper and convenes a grand jury. Old Lou also quits because he says he won't be a part of the prosecution of innocence, persecution of innocence with the parents. The grand jury convenes, and 13 months later, it is announced that they will not be filing charges against the Ramseys, even though the grand jury voted to move forward with indictments for... Uh, child neglect resu- resulting in death
0: right okay
1: um Fleet and priscilla are pissed and detective steve is pissed his wife is tired poor lady she's like oh my god <laughs> so steve decides to write a book and he does um he promptly gets sued by the Ramses. we see all the articles news stories even a subreddit that follows great um, we cut to 2006. Patsy Ramsey receives a call that she has cancer again. Detective Linda and Detective Steve meet to have beers and talk about how the case ruined their lives. Um, Linda goes to see Patsy on her deathbed to ask her what the hell happened that night. And if she wants to make a deathbed confession, which like,
2: wow. Right. That takes like balls. Listen, I'm going to let you die in a minute.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But... um. Blah, blah, blah. Had the best deathbed confession of all time.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> did you see that, that Kanye and Kim Kardashian are getting divorced? No. Saw it on E! News earlier. Okay. So, we see the numbers of the years go by on a black screen, which is actually very effective. Um Until we get to 2013, Detective Steve is carpentering with his carpenter. And uh, when his wife unplugs the saw so he can watch the news that the indictment from the grand jury investigation was released to the public okay detective Steve goes to visit Benny's grave um her voiceover says she's she's seen a lot from her grave including all of us so excuse me while I go sage my entire house yeah He lays lays flowers down and apologizes, and her voiceover says, I forgive you, Steve, and I'm sorry, too, because your life would have been better off without me. No, don't! And then she talks about how she doesn't know who the bad guy is in her story, and maybe that's okay. Quote, maybe I can let go now. Can you? Fuck you, Lifetime. So we get the ending text that says, quote, Patsy Ramsey died of cancer in June of 2006. John Ramsey wrote a book about coping with suffering and unsuccessfully ran twice for the Michigan House of Representatives. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Um, The statute of limitations on the charges against John and Patsy Ramsey expired three months after District Attorney Alex Hunter led the public to believe there were no charges at all. Fleet and Priscilla White continue to fight for the release of the remaining 14 pages of John and Patsy Ramsey's indictment by the grand jury. Burke Ramsey is now a computer programmer living in Atlanta. Steve Thomas never returned to law enforcement after the Ramsey case. He is a successful businessman, husband, and father. The end.
2: Good for that, at least. God, that's rough. I mean, there was not going to be a not-rough way to do this, but I don't think I wanted Uh a... Lovely bone style narration. I think that's the thing that I cancel.
1: I I will cancel any child narration, Forever. especially one that whispers for <laughs> always.
0: Always.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh man, that is not the kind of energy I want in twenty twenty one. Literally,
2: absolutely not. Um, all right. So, like I mentioned, there were so many sources so many I mean I just I could have researched this case for 10 years and not gotten to the bottom of everything that is out there and of all the theories so instead of belaboring this case that everyone everyone has a general idea like unless you were born in the past six months Everyone has a general idea of this case and of the details surrounding it. So I am going to just kind of give an overview. I'm going to give a timeline as we know it today. And then I want to close with um, who have been determined the nine most likely, I think it's nine most likely suspects in this case. And then I would like you and I to rate their probability like, one being they absolutely could not and 10 out of 10 being like, this is the person who did it. Okay. Okay. Based on these theories that I found. So I'm excited. Um, so the youngest child of John and Patsy Ramsey was found dead in the basement of their Boulder, Colorado home on the afternoon of December 26, 1996, almost eight hours after Patsy frantically called 911 to report that her six-year-old daughter had been kidnapped.
1: Yeah. And, like, just to set the scene, if you don't know for some reason, these people were rich. And not, like, regular they rich. They were multi-millionaires. These people were fucking rich. Yeah. So their home had, like, a wine cellar and a basement and, like, 100 million rooms. And, and like a needless spiral
2: staircase or whatever. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah.
2: Um, She had woken up around 5.30 a.m. to find a two-and-a-half-page very sloppily printed ransom note at the bottom of the stairs that threatened to, quote, behead the child if her parents didn't fork over $118,000 in ransom to, quote, a small foreign faction. And so people berate this letter, and I think I'm just going to kind of be tangential um, as we go through um, bring in my own experience and research I didn't write down. But, like... Sure. You know, analysts have looked at this letter that opens with "We represent a small foreign faction," which is funny to Aaron and I because our Snapchat group of our closest friends is called a small foreign faction. Small foreign faction. (laughs) (laughs) But um, that wording has been called into question by many, many analysts. Chief of which being that people do not typically refer to themselves as foreign. Foreign is what you call other people. In general people don't refer to themselves as a foreign faction. They may say we represent a group They're from you. Right. They may say <laughs> we represent a specific place, but it is unlikely for people to refer to themselves as a small foreign faction.
1: You know, but you know to turn it back around I don't see why if I was writing a fake ransom note I would use those three words. Right. mashed together.
2: Um. right there's there's no plausible answer to this I don't nobody knows it, it, why this was written
1: that ransom note is like gobbledygook and I think <laughs> if you really focus on the ransom note you lose everything else in the case because it is a hot mess whoever wrote it did right. not do a good job the
2: other thing that sticks out about this particular ransom note is the amount of money they requested is $118,000 which was the exact amount in a Christmas bonus that um, John Ramsey received just days before. So it was apparent that it was liquid and that it was available to this family. And it was strange that it was the exact amount, which we will talk about the theories about that later because it it winds up in the theories of four different people.
1: But, like, also, A, I need a job where my Christmas bonus is right? $118. And two, even if that—I mean, even if, even though that was his bonus, how do you know that that's liquid? I mean, right. I guess because they're super rich, but still, it's not like you can walk into a bank and cash a one hundred and eighteen thousand dollars check.
2: Oh no, because they had a the way they wanted the money broken down. Yeah. So that's they. They thought you could just go to the ATM and type in your four pin number, and then I bet mm-hmm. you he's so rich he has his six numbers in his pin, and then it just spits which, out bills like cartoon style, just like.
1: Which again just points to the fact that whoever wrote like w- did not know how money works and how banking works, right? Um, which I feel like the Ramsays
2: did might have, um. So. It was John who discovered Bonet's body shortly after 1.30 p.m. on his second search of the house, which by then was already full of police and family friends. He carried the child, who was still dressed in the pajamas she wore to bed the night before, up the stairs and laid her down near the Christmas tree in the living room. John JonBenet appeared to have been garroted, and her skull was fractured from a blow to the head. Um, the medical examiner would... That
1: makes me, like, ill. I'm sorry.
2: No, it's... I understand.
1: Wait a second. Like, that... Oh, my God. She was so little. Uh (sighs)
2: Uh-huh. The medical examiner would later note vaginal injuries that suggested some kind of sexual contact had occurred, and there were spots that appeared to be blood on her underwear, though the blood smears found on the body weren't in places that would correspond with the stains. So... (sighs) Now backtracking to who
1: She'd also been tased.
2: Yes. Yeah. So backtracking to who was John Bonet. Um, named after her father, John Bennett, and her mother Patricia, also called Patsy. Her name was literally they combined her dad's name to be John Bonet. Her middle name was Patricia Ramsey. She was born mm-hmm. August sixth, nineteen ninety, in Atlanta, Georgia. She was the youngest of the two children from their parents' marriage, but of course, John Bennett had um, older children from a previous relationship. Um,
1: okay. I have a question, and I really don't know this. Okay. Is Bennett his middle name? Yes okay because you were saying john bennett and i was like why is their last name ramsey if his yeah he's
2: he's john bennett ramsey bennett ramsey and okay, then doctor, doctor. so that's where john bennett comes from is it's john right. bennett smashed together as, as hard as you could possibly do it
1: i have a friend whose whose name is uh, a smashing together of both of her grandparents or both her grandmother's names her name is edie marie
2: i love that
1: she hasn't gone by that name in her entire life. Everyone's called her Shay her entire life. I
2: love Edie Marie, though.
1: Mm-hmm. I do, too. But, yeah, she hated it when she was younger. Aww. So she went by her middle name, and then, you know, no, I mean, after it's been 20 years, what, what do you do is, like, switch it back?
2: Right. Um. So John Bonnet was this outgoing Southern girl. Um. She <laughs> enjoyed being the center of attention as much as... Any little girl who's raised to be in the spotlight does. Um, yeah. Um, by the age of six, she'd already won multiple pageant titles. Um, and everyone commented on her naturally bouncy blonde hair, her poised smile, and her glittery costumes. Um,
1: and I do kind of want to say, too, and pageants are always evolving, right? right so the pageants in 1996 were not the pageants that you see on toddlers and tiaras
0: no uh uh-uh
1: no they have the same like makeup and stuff but they like parents weren't doing the crazy shit that they do to their kids now back then
2: no absolutely not
1: so yeah it was a different time
2: um Let's see. Her father was a multimillionaire businessman and her mother, who was also a former beauty queen, she'd been Miss West Virginia of nineteen seventy seven, doted on their daughter in every way they could. Their luxurious home was plush with everything John Bonet needed to live a comfortable life. Um and leading up to that they kind of see Well, seen... I mean all of them. Right they all lived apart. i know but this They're is about stupid. i i told you nobody focuses on the fact that she was a real life person so i'm trying to build up I that know, she was a I real know. life person mm-hmm. um and so from the outside they just seem like your typical rich american family whatever that looks like um
1: um it looks i mean
2: yeah yeah so um very dysfunctional yeah so You're welcome. now the the timeline of events as we know it. Um, so on, on, I think I wrote the date down wrong. I sure did. So on December 23rd, 1996, I wrote 1993 because it was the 23. And so my finger just went back to the three. Um, a 911 call was made from inside the Ramsey home. This was three days before the body was found. Oh, okay. okay. Um, a 911 call was made from the house, but on January 10th, it's reported that it's likely a mistake made by a drunk party guest, according to CNN. Of course, there's no way to follow up on that, but it is interesting that three days before this murder was reported that there would be a 911 call.
1: That is very weird. And also, like, I don't know if it... I don't I mean I always thought that if you called 911 even by accident they come out to your house
2: that's what I've always thought too maybe things are different now like maybe that is the case now I don't know maybe it's
1: James Simpson but I do like I know I have a friend that accidentally called 911 once and they like came to check on her yeah and she was like I'm sorry like it was I thought I needed the police but I don't and they were like okay so
2: right um so then, December 25th, 1996, the Ramses attend a Christmas party at a family, like at a friend of the family's house. Um, John Bonet. Fleet's house. Do what? Yep. At Fleek's house. house. So John Bonet gets a bike for Christmas. It's. You know, like this beautiful little Christmas. And after attending the party hosted by Fleet White, the Ramses go home and reportedly Jampanay goes to bed. And then it is important to note here that some theories suggest that she snuck back downstairs and fought with her brother over a late night snack of pineapple and milk, which was apparently something they had. And Whoa. I'm like, rich people, have you ever heard of chocolate or like cookies?
1: No, here's the thing that I don't understand is because pineapple is so acidic, it and, uh, would curdle milk. Yeah. This, like, this has always bothered me. Uh-huh. Uh, like, what do you mean you eat pineapple, like?
2: Right. Ugh. So, and Gross. then the um, undig- undigested pineapple was found in her stomach, according to her autopsy report. So, um, that's where kind of this comes in from the, like, where this theory comes into play. Um, which this even
1: could have happened. Right. Without resulting in her death.
2: Right. Um don't listen to CBS though. We'll get into that in the main theories. So mm-hmm. on December 26 nineteen ninety six, John goes missing. Um at five thirty A. M. Patsy gets up to make coffee and she discovers this two and a half page handwritten letter that I discussed earlier. Um, and they're on the back stairs that lead to the kitchen because their house is so big there are multiple staircases. Um, and then the, let's see, according to the Denver post, this was the, um, the note quote, you will withdraw, you will withdraw $118,000 from your account. $100,000 will be in $100 bills and the remaining 18,000 in $20 bills, um, and as I mentioned that was the exact amount of John's Christmas bonus the note also said not to call the police so Patsy immediately called 911 Mm -hmm. before 6am police officer Rick French arrives at the home and does a search he pauses by the door that John Bonet was later found behind but he doesn't open it according to Newsweek
1: that is like the utmost of not doing your job Uh, uh huh It's like, oh, you were right there. You could have opened the door.
0: Uh-huh. No.
1: I mean, don't overexert yourself, sir. I know it's been a long day for you so right. far.
2: Um. It looked like she... Oh, I skipped a line. Let's see. So in the early afternoon, the first detective on the scene, Linda Arndt, pulls aside John and um, Fleet White, who John had called over. So this is where... Uh, this is also a big point of, of contention in many theories that, like, John finds that his daughter's missing, so he calls several people over, um, according to different sources. Fleet White is the only confirmed person who came over, but there are, like, some sources that make it sound like he had a parade of rich people just looking through his house for his daughter. Like,
1: Okay, but I get this. I I get it, too. I'm like, my kid's missing... Come over, we're gonna go search.
2: I get it too, but um to to validate theories, they it also looks like them trying to plant lots of extra um evidence or um what's the word no, I'm looking for? I don't think like it does. material. I'm just to
1: me like this listen. is what a normal person does if their child is missing. I'm not
2: arguing either way. I'm just explaining how these theories are built.
1: I know. I'm just saying. Ugh.
2: Um, In this case. So, um, Arndt tells them to do a, quote, top to bottom search of the home. And it was during this search that John opens the door to the basement spare room, which is where the Christmas presents had been hidden up to like that morning or the morning before, you know, and um, that's where he found John Bonet's body. It looked like she'd been strangled and her mouth and neck were covered with duct tape. He picked up the body and ran, screaming upstairs. Uh, Linda Arnt later moved the body closer to the Christmas tree upstairs by bringing her upstairs and leaving the basement door open. Much of the evidence becomes tainted immediately. Yeah. Um, ten forty-five p.m. The Boulder County coroner's team removes Jaminet's body from the house. So on December twenty-eighth, nineteen ninety-six, the Ramses, um go to the Boulder Police Department and they give hair, blood, and handwriting samples. We'll talk about those handwriting samples in a minute because they play into yeah, the popular theories. Um, police later state that John's grown children, John Andrew and Melinda, were out of town when the murder occurred, so they are not suspected.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: On December 29th, 1996, the family flies to Atlanta because you ha- you ha- you have to. It's...
1: Well, in this too, I mean, it it makes sense and it doesn't, right? That's where their family is.
2: If they're that rich, pay for them to fly out to you like
1: this is an investigation happening. Right, okay, but you pay for them to fly out to you and then... Where do they stay? Because they can't stay at your house because it's a crime scene.
2: You're rich. Get and a where hotel. Do you, where,
1: do you, where do you stay? And w- when you want to be surrounded by people you love and things that bring you comfort, and those things are far away?
2: I, I don't buy the getting on a plane and leaving. That's the thing I can't get behind. When there's an active investigation for my daughter, I I can't get on board with that.
1: And I, I, I don't understand it really either, but I'm saying they're – there is weird reasoning behind it. It's not solid reasoning. It's it's definitely weird. And but those people are weird people. And guess what? All rich people are weird people.
2: That's I. That's true. Um, well, and a couple of days later, that is when Jomine's funeral is. She's laid to rest in Marietta, Georgia, um, next to her older half sister Elizabeth, who died in a tragic car accident in 1992. Um, So on January 1st, 1997, John and Patsy give that infamous New Year's Day interview. Um, Mm. Her parents give a 45-minute talk on um, CNN where they're still in Atlanta. That's where they're staying with family. The Boulder police has been reassuring the community that there wasn't a murderer on the run. Patsy looks square into the camera and says there is a killer on the loose. If I were a resident Boulder, I would tell my friends to keep, keep your babies close to you. There's someone out there.
1: Um, Mm -hmm.
2: then she added quote, America is suffering because we have lost faith in the American family. Um, and then she, sorry, citing the example of the mystery of what really happened with OJ Simpson. Um, So she's like, nobody believes in America anymore because of OJ, basically. And then she says, quote, we are a Christian God-fearing family. We love our children. We would do anything for our children. And there are lots of analysts who have independently studied all of her interviews. Everything she says seems a little jilted. Um, but many of them admit that that could be because of a mix of prescription medicine. She's on to get through these awful days. So
1: I do a hundred percent believe that she acts like a psycho because she was on drugs.
2: Oh yeah. Um, so again, I'm just giving credence. I know. And I'm just, I'm just
1: responding.
2: No, I know. Um, (laughs) I'm. I am holding my cards close to me until we get to the end, and I tell you which theory I really believe.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, also, I think that the amount of drugs that I, I think of, if it is myself too, if it were me, the amount of drugs I would have to be on to go on television, right, are astronomical. Like I would need, like straight up, like propofol, right. So I'm just like in a coma on TV. Right. That's all I.
2: Mm-hmm. So yeah. on January 2nd, a team of detectives from Boulder fly to Atlanta. Um, they So the Ramseys have been unwilling to talk to the police up to this point, claiming that they were too emotional to speak, but they w- then gave the CNN interview, which kind of pissed the investigators off. Um, As it should have. Right. So. On January 3rd, 1997, the detectives reveal the ransom note was written from within the house. Um, they announced that the note was written on a paper pad inside the house, meaning it was likely written after the murder. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I guess I can see the reasoning, but at the same time, I'm like, that doesn't actually mean it was written after the murder.
1: Yeah, I, I don't understand that reasoning at all. I, I actually, I don't see that reasoning in the slightest because... The amount of time obviously spent on that clearly points to the fact that it was written before the murder right so, the, I think the only reason they jump on the fact that it was written after is because it it, it falls in line with the theory that the family did it
2: right um, so on that same day John and Patsy return to Boulder and Boulder cops also go to Charlevoix Michigan which is where the Ramseys have a summer home Um, and so they summer home right. Um, so January. Nope, that one's not important. Let's see. So January eighth, nineteen ninety seven. News comes out that there may have been a practice ransom note. Um, apparently there's evidence that the person wrote the ransom note first on a separate sheet of paper before they wrote it out on the like notepad that was found on. Um, and so then. February 27th so a month and a half later um John Andrews alibi is re-examined he's the older half brother of John Bonet um Mm -hmm. he said he was out of town when it happened but they can't confirm it so they bring him in for further questioning um that really goes nowhere Mm
1: -hmm.
2: so then March 7th 1997 um Based on expert analysis, detectives confirm that John didn't write the ransom note, but say that there is still a chance that Pats, Patsy may have. This is based largely on the fact that Patsy did not, according to reports, write $118,000 in numerals as she'd been instructed, but she wrote it out in words instead. Um, and I i can understand the questioning there
1: i can too uh
2: i don't know a single person who defaults to writing a number that large and one of the excuses i heard is like she was trained in journalism but in the um associated press style book anything over a certain amount is written out numerically and that is in that area so i don't know what the reasoning would be for writing that out (coughs) in words yeah um so the next day, March 8th, the police search the Michigan home again. Um, they are looking for unrehearsed handwriting samples in this Michigan home to see if they can match anything to the note. Um, so on April 3rd, 1997, DNA testing finally takes place. Um, there had been a DNA test done in Colorado, but a second one is done by Maryland Cellmark laboratories, which is a, Uh, a private laboratory that um, so the fear was confirmation bias in this. And so having an independent group do it Mm -hmm. would hopefully take some of that confirmation bias out. Right. Um, So then April 19th, um, John and Patsy Ramsey are named the prime suspects in the investigation. Um, And on April 30th, Patsy is questioned for six and a half hours John, on the other hand, was only questioned for two hours during their formal interviews.
1: Yeah,
2: um, and these new statements replaced the initial ones made right after the murder. So on May second, nineteen ninety-seven, um, John Bonet's parents talk to the local press. John stumbles over his daughter's name and ha- and addresses the rumors of her. Possibly being sexually molested, calling those, quote, most hurtful innuendos. Um, Patsy says, quote, I'm appalled that anyone would think that John or I would be involved with such a hideous and heinous crime, but let me assure you, I didn't not kill... Surely she didn't say I didn't not kill John Bonet. Maybe I wrote that down I wrong. I think
1: she said I did not kill John That's Bonet. what
2: I thought too, but I sure did write I didn't not kill.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's what she said in the interview in the movie, so
2: um so july 14 oh no uh i skipped let's see may 14th the uh sources report that there are no surprises in the results of the dna test but they don't specify what that means and then july 14th in 1997 the previously sealed autopsy results are released they confirm a ligature around the victim's neck and another around the right wrist evidence that she was bound and strangled um and also say that quote blood and abrasion abrasions were found in the girl's vaginal area. And that there was, and that she was struck on the head violently enough to cause bleeding and an 8.5 inch fracture to her skull. This Jesus is Christ. according to CNN. Um, so January 15th, 1998, we are now two years after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ramseys asked to review evidence before giving more interviews with the police. Their request is denied by the police. Right. Um, so January 29th, 1998, John and Patsy submit the clothes that they were wearing, but this comes two months after the police had requested the parents hand over the clothes they were wearing the night of the crime. The Ramseys turn in two shirts, a pair of pants and a sweater um, why mm. they waited for two years after this to ask for that, if they thought it might lead to something is questionable. But as you have pointed out numerous times, the police really fucked this case up.
1: They really did.
2: So finally, March 12th, 1998, a grand jury investigation is called. Um, so even though 15 months have already passed since the murder, Investigators formally call for a grand jury. Um, June 3rd, 1998. um, The case's lead investigator, Mark Beckner, says there are significant results from the 1,058 pieces of evidence taken from the home, but he does not share any details as to what those significant results are. I I think probably there was not anything and that he said something just to make the public feel better that they were working on the case. Yeah. Um. So finally, June 10th through 12th, November, uh, November. Why did I say that? June 10th through 12th, 1998. John Bonet's older brother, Burke, who was nine at the time of the crime um, and was the only other person known to be in the house that night is questioned for the first time. He's now 11 at the time of this questioning. Yeah. Um, August sixth, the uh, detective Steve calls the case crippling and writes an eight-page resignation letter.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, he in his case in his resignation he says that um, the case has been crippled by people in charge and uh, and elements that have been thoroughly compromised. Uh, then Governor Roy Romer inquires whether he needs to step in and help this case. He eventually does step in and the governor's office takes it over. Um, So August 19th, Fleet White says that hunter who's the lead investigator needs to be dismissed from this case and they need to put mm-hmm. somebody else on it august 20th 1998 burke's voice is reportedly overheard on this 911 call so originally the Ramses said that burke was asleep the morning his sister was discovered missing and didn't wake up until the police arrived however in the 911 tape that's now been enhanced burke's voice is repeatedly heard in the background and i think you were mentioning that in your
1: Movie. yeah and I I think I think they latch on to the idea that it is Burke without considering any of the number of other things it could be
2: okay I've not heard this call so I don't know what it sounds like myself
1: I have I haven't really... I haven't done a deep dive and listened to it really, really enhanced, but I can say that there are differing educated opinions out there about what it says.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: Uh, Both for what it says, if it's Burke and what it says, if it's definitely not. Right. So, Um, and even then, even then, even if they're talking to Burke for whatever reason, it doesn't mean that he did it.
2: Right. Um, no uh, more the question in that case is why would they say he was asleep if he clearly wasn't what you know like was that a detail that they uh, just forgot or are they covering something up
1: I mean I get that but I also think like you do crazy shit
2: oh yeah when you're under
1: that much stress and I think that even and it could just be that like they have blocked this out and that they don't remember.
0: Right.
2: So finally, five months after the grand jury has been selected, they begin their investigation. Um in September of nineteen ninety eight. Also in September, another detective quits from the case. Mm-hmm. Um he
1: That's detective Steve.
2: No, Detective Steve's already quit. This is now Lou Smith.
1: Oh yeah, Lou Smith. He's the one that that didn't want to go after the family.
2: Yeah. So in his resignation later, he says a very dangerous killer is still out there, because he doesn't think that the Ramsays are involved.
1: Right. He was the very special guy.
2: Mm-hmm. Um. So in October of 1998, the grand jury begins hearing forensic evidence, and um, in October on October 20th. Um, Two stories had run in the National Enquirer that said an anonymous source said John believed the photographer Stephen Miles killed John Bonet. So John goes back to Colorado to face um, Stephen Miles in a civil case related to this. Um, He is one of the, I believe, let me back up and make sure that I wrote his stuff down. Um, no, in fact, so this guy, even though lots of people report that he, um, was involved, he does not make it in the top nine, um, (laughs) theories, in fact. Oh,
1: so close.
2: Right. Um, so let's see, December 3rd, 1998. More family DNA is collected. You'll notice that in this timeline, I've not talked about DNA being collected from anyone else or anything else. And that is because much of this investigation focused around the family predominantly. Even Uh,
1: though the DNA found on her body is not from the family. Right. Right.
2: Um, in fact, the CBS special that I've mentioned several times, when they talk about the DNA found in, like, her underwear, they're like, oh, but that probably just came from the packaging facility. And, like, they write it off there, too. They don't, like...
1: Okay, but I'm going to assume that Patsy Ramsey washes her child's underwear?
2: Right. Um, so... On January twenty eighth, nineteen ninety-nine, investigators appeal to the online community to try to find information about a Santa Claus teddy bear that was reportedly found in John bedroom. They hope by finding the manufacturer and where it was sold they can connect more dots. So they are just like grasping at like straws are gone now. They're grasping at like at like when Do you
1: Do you remember the internet in nineteen ninety-nine? <laughs> the hell were they expecting to happen <laughs> y'all for real right our asses were still on fucking dial up in 1999 right <laughs> everyone's
2: still crafting their perfect away message on aol instant messenger they're not looking at your fucking bear
1: like google was barely a thing oh
2: my god
1: There is like what, and even to find that bear on the from the police station to try to track down the manufacturer. Do do you know how many places you'd have to look online back then to find that bear to even do some internet sleuthing? Right, that is not a thing.
2: Um, so then, um, Linda Arndt, who was the first and the detective on the case resigns because of all the criticism the police are getting. And like, Linda, I hear you, but also Linda, listen,
1: I get it though.
2: (laughs) Right. Um, so May 19th, 1999, 12 year old Burke is secretly questioned by the grand jury and he is declared not a witness nor a suspect. No, he's declared a witness, not a suspect. Sorry. Um, so then September thirteenth, nineteen ninety nine, Linda Arnt goes on Good Morning America and in her interview was like, I know who killed John Bonet, but I'll never tell XOXO Linda Arnt. That's a girl. <laughs> <sighs> like
1: like if Linda I- Arnt, you have no clue right. who killed John Bonnet. Um, Just like the rest of us plebes.
2: So, the older siblings get called in to testify. They've been cleared, so now they're testifying in front of the grand jury. Like, they've been cleared in 1997, but in 1999, they're called in to testify for the grand jury. And on October 13th, 1999, District Attorney Hunter says that there isn't sufficient evidence to charge anyone with the murder, Um, which... Publicly, and so this is a big point of contention for lots of people because mm-hmm. it kind of publicly exonerates the Ramses, and so the investigation has to effectively stop against them, but then it doesn't seem like they continue it. Uh, right. So in March of 2000, the Ramses. Well, but you've
1: only gathered evidence for one. Right outcome, then you have to stop after right. they're cleared, um, even if they weren't actually cleared.
2: So in March of two thousand, the, Ramble- the Ramses publish a book called "The Death of Innocence." It's about her murder, um, along with the publicity campaign, and then they launch a publicity campaign to promote it. Um, in May of 2000, they hold a press conference to announce that lie detector tests confirm they are innocent in the death of their daughter. However, the test wasn't run by the mm-hmm. FBI. and, and Also, lie detector don't tests mean
1: nothing. Zero. <laughs>
2: right. um, so in June of 2006, Patsy dies of cancer. She has a very aggressive form of ovarian cancer that actually goes into her brain. Um. Which is just terrible. And um, I will say that um, Karen Kilgariff wholeheartedly believes this was done within the family. I think it's Karen Kilgariff who calls this Patsy's guilt cancer. And I laughed when I heard that statement, just the way it was said. Um, so I tend to call it guilt cancer. I have no idea if Patsy knew what happened. I don't think she did, but I
0: think
1: she did. The
2: idea made me chuckle. Um so um finally in September of 2016 Burke breaks his silence but he reveals no answers. He goes on Dr. Phil um and he says, quote "It probably was some pedophile in the pageant audience." But he says this twice and and analysts jump all over that that like it seems like he's insistent on that. So um so who killed John Bonet? That's the million dollar question, right? We've been investigating that for the past 24 years. Um, Mm -hmm. Investigators have examined this question for years, coming every time to nothing conclusive, obviously. Um, But the following is the list of most likely suspects, and then with a few wild cards thrown in. Um, And many of these came from Rolling Stone magazine, who did a lot of, probably the most comprehensive research I found on this case. Uh, Rolling Stone has incredible reporting. I mean, I know you know this, but... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first one they present is the mother Patsy Ramsey. Um, so here's their theory, and I think this was taken verbatim from them. John JonBenet's yeah. mother, Patsy Ramsey, took whatever secrets of that morning she had with her to the grave when she passed away after her 13-year battle with ovarian cancer that eventually spread to the brain. Though both she and her husband, John were formally exonerated in 2008 thanks to the development in DNA technology, many suspect that the former Miss West Virginia accidentally murdered her six-year-old child in a fit of rage over a bedwetting accident then covered it up post haste from the outside. Patsy was your pleasant and influential suburban mother of two known for her beauty pageant winning daughter, John Bonet and the lavish Christmas party she threw every year. Still several pieces of evidence suggest she may have had more to do with the crime than she let on. First, it's been speculated that while cleaning up yet another one of John Bonet's bedwetting accidents, which are said to have occurred with some frequency, Ramsey flipped a switch and slammed the little girl's head to the side of Against the side of a hard, blunt surface like a bathtub. Second, John was found with a rope around her neck, tightened by a homemade garrot. Garrot? How do you say that word? Garrot. Thank you. Garrot. Garrot. Um, determined to have been fashioned out of a paintbrush taken from Patsy's paint kit that lay nearby. Third, the most bizarre ransom note uh, in the history of ransom notes. Patsy said she discovered a two and a half page ransom note on one of the rungs down the spiral staircase that led to the basement where her body was found. Written in strange verbiage that seemed lifted from a classic crime film, the note demanded 118000 be given to the, quote, foreign faction by 10 a.m. the next day, which was later figured out to be the same amount of money, John Ramsey's Christmas bonus from his company, uh, had given him, sorry. Some sources, <laughs> including Boulder PD's, former co-leading investigator, Steve Thomas, have speculated that Patsy wrote the note herself in a moment of panic after realizing what she'd done to John JonBenet. But the handwriting analyses, though convincing, were eventually found to be inconclusive. It was determined, however, that the note had been written on a piece of Patsy's stationery from inside the home with her own pen. In the years following the murder, Patsy appeared extremely defensive once he'd been hashing it out with a naysayer on Larry King Live, do you remember this? Yeah. Um, while family friends insisted that Patsy adored John Bonet and would never have hurt the little girl, put the little girl in harm's way, some onlookers came down hard, criticizing Ramsey for sexualizing a vulnerable child with a string of beauty pageants. So. 1 out of 10 being the absolute most absurd thing you've ever heard. 10 out of 10 being this is the most plausible story. Where do you rate this? 1. I give it a 4 out of 10.
1: This is a 1 for me, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Without, While well, trying not to give away what I actually think happened. Right. So um, I think that... She, I mean, the idea that she killed her in a fit of rage, again, no. I mean, the garrote, the strangling, that is like methodical, right? Um, to me, and and then like then you still you still have a taser mark that you can't make sense of because the Ramses didn't own one, right? Um, and you know. I just think that if these well-educated people were going to put together a defense in the way of a ransom note, they would have done a much better job.
2: Absolutely. Um, So I give it a 4 out of 10. I don't think that she did it, but I have always wondered if she were connected to it in some way in helping a cover-up. Especially, I cannot personally get past the writing out in words $118,000 that... In the handwriting and anal- like anal- analyst analysis, there's the word that she would not write like every other typical human being on Earth. The numbers I don't know.
1: Well, but also like why didn't they just say, "Hey, we need this written out numerically"? What's wrong with you? Why would they have to say that? Like anybody else, you have but to be told why, the other why way. Why wouldn't they just go back and say that and then compare her handwriting?
2: Because why should they have to tell people how to be
1: normal? because it's a handwriting don't be an android if you want the right handwriting example you have to ask for what you want they ask
2: they ask for it don't be a fucking idiot and
1: write out in words and make it more complicated i mean let's just i mean (laughs) i'll call a spade a spade they're multi million dollars and that's exactly how you write a check
2: that's fair see some of us have never been rich enough to have a check Aaron. so humble brag Uh, (laughs) um All right. John Ramsey, the father, is their next likely suspect. Police arrived at the crime scene that morning um, after Christmas Day to find no footsteps in the snow or signs of a possible intruder. Another thing that I've always thought about is that there there were not footprints and it was not actively snowing to have covered them up. Um, Linda Arndt, the per- first okay, police officer to I have arrive. A question though.
1: Uh-huh. Devil's advocate. Uh-huh is it possible since they didn't search that room straight away that the guy was still in the house?
2: I've always thought that was also a possibility. Mm -hmm. Um, Linda Arndt, the first police officer to arrive at the scene that morning, looked around the house to no avail. Eventually, she sent John Ramsey and his neighbor, Fleet White, to search the house for anything unusual. Ramsey made a beeline straight for the basement cellar, where he immediately found his deceased child. Though he'd been told to leave everything where he'd found it, he picked her up, carried the body upstairs, removed the tape from the child's mouth, and placed her down. He even covered her up with a throw blanket, (laughs) further destroying vital physical evidence." That's when Arndt started to feel that perhaps Ramsey knew too much. Arndt has made no secret of her suspicions towards the family. While Ramsey's unseen discovery of the body was suggested to have been the fault of a botched police investigation, some believe it's um, strange that intuition alone would lead a person to an admittedly unused part of the home aren't told ABC News in nineteen ninety nine that she'd found other actions of theirs suspicious too, like how John and Patsy let the ten A. M. deadline and the hundred and eighty hundred and eighteen thousand ransom notes slip by without a word. So that is something that she points out that I've always found interesting is that they the ten o'clock deadline has well passed and they've not made any moves to to try to get this ransom. Um but, of course, I also understand that there are so many things at play in that. But I have always found that yeah. interesting.
1: Because you're not. It's not like they're going to call the kidnappers. The kidnappers are going to call
2: them. Right. Um, Aren't described kneeling beside JonBenet's body inches away from John Ramsey, so convinced the murderer was in the house with her that she claimed to have quietly counted the bullets in her holster just in case she had to use one. Um, what she's just being dramatic. Chill out, Linda. Yeah. Arndt wasn't the only one who found Ramsey's behavior that morning. Strangely suspect a detective on the scene claimed to have overheard John Ramsey making arrangements to fly the family to Atlanta just hours after the murder. Um, John later admitted to this saying that they'd been asked (laughs) to leave the house and just wanted to go home to Atlanta where they'd lived for 25 years. Um, and then the sexual abuse allegations started to circulate, though no evidence was ever found to prove these allegations outside of the vaginal injuries. Um, so there were many popular theories that John had molested his own daughter and um, there's no evidence to support that idea at all. There's none. None. Um, so he too was exonerated in 2008 um, once DNA testing cleared all three members of the immediate Ramsey family. One, or out of ten, Where do you rate this?
1: A negative one.
2: <laughs> I get.
1: I don't believe that man murdered his daughter for a second.
2: I give it a one out of ten. I don't. I've never. I believe he might be involved in a cover-up. I don't think that he did it. Um. So their their next popular theory is, of course, Burke Ramsey, the brother. God. Um, So John and Patsy did a really good job at shielding Burke from most of the press throughout the investigations. Um, And then Rolling Stone said, and judging by his recent and very strange interview with Dr. Phil, that was probably a good idea. Um, So Ramsey was also formally, like uh, Burke was also formally exonerated in 2008. Um, And so... Um, so right after he went on Doctor Phil to talk about this, CBS aired the case of John Benet Ramsey, and I watched this, and I was so excited, and I turned that shit off, and I was like, "I am so mad at that this." That
1: was trash,
2: right? Well, I was so excited the
1: people who were and involved. I watched and, trash television, and so for me to say that was a hot pile of garbage, right? Because that was um. How do you say
2: his name? Jim Clemente, who is the analyst behind Criminal Minds. And then a former Scotland Yard behavioral analyst, um, Laura Richards. Um, And then like, so first of all, it was a two part thing. And the whole first episode, they're like, we staged it. It was like if Zach Bagans had his own um, true crime show. Like, they talked into the microphone, like, got really close and whispered, like, <laughs> we staged our own version of the Ramsey house on the soundstage at CBS Studios. Like, okay. And
1: they get to the end, they're like, and we, we... lost ourselves in this studio overnight. Yeah.
2: And they're like, and we found nothing. And so you get to, like, the 30 minute mark of that hour long episode of the next one. And they're like, and that's when we remembered the picture of the flashlight we gave our flashlight to a seven-year-old and had him smash the shit out of a watermelon, and that's how we know it was Burke. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What the fuck? They were like, they got into this, and they were like, we have no fucking clue. What are we going to do?
1: Give the flashlight to a kid. I (laughs) I will get into this later, but I completely understand why Burke sued the fuck out of them. Oh, yeah. Um so part of the things is because to believe that much to exist in a child is
2: really so hard. So to many people <laughs> this was considered a compelling theory. Um Werner Spitz who is a for, like a really famed forensic investigator reviews the autopsy which included quote a perfectly rectangular defect that he suspected came from a blow to the little girl's head with a blunt, heavy flashlight, which was seen in that picture that I mentioned. Um, he claimed claimed the flashlight fit the eight and a half gash in her skull, quote, to perfection. But there was no trace evidence of either JonBenet nor Burke on this flashlight. Like, there, his fingerprints weren't found on it. There was, It was as if he's never touched the flashlight, because I would venture... That
1: he
2: that hadn't. He didn't. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And then the flashlight. I had big problems
1: with this theory.
2: According to the CBS theory, um, the flashlight became even more suspicious when tied to the pineapple scenario. And so, what they decided was John Binet snuck out of bed and went and took Burke's piece of pineapple. And so he did the only thing you can do: grabbed a mag light and beat the shit out of his sister, like. Yeah. You have to truly believe that that is a spawn of Satan. Um,
1: and and I understand, you know, people are like, but he, you know, they had gotten into violent arguments before, and he had hit her in the head before with a plastic golf club, not with a maglite flashlight. Right, I was
2: about to say because there was the friend who was like, oh yeah. He used to hit John Biney in the head all the time with a, um So then Warner Spitz also writes off the puncture wounds from the taser and says that they came from a train track that Burke had.
1: And the fact that she died by strangulation.
2: Yeah, we don't talk about that one.
1: <laughs> Her well, cause I, of death was not blunt force trauma.
2: Well, and then Spitz is like, the the thing is. Spitz says that he took the train tracks and poked her neck or like poked her where the they were on the back poked her back with the train tracks to try to get a response and i'm like have you ever looked at a child like are you familiar <laughs> with and child as a kid <laughs> um so and
1: also the idea that this all went out went on the whole thing went on Burke murders John Bonet and their parents are just like sleeping.
2: Right. Well, and then <laughs> and then the CBS theory is that then Patsy and John are covering it up because they're going to lose two children at one time. Except that he was nine at the time, so he would have not ever been charged as an adult. Like
1: no, and he was white, so that's why. Right.
2: Um. So. Anyway, the um, so Burke shoots immediately back, um, which is not typically what guilty people do. Guilty people tend to build a case before they, but he just like these are absolutely lies. the most yeah. vile lies ever, and he filed a hundred and fifty million dollar lawsuit against Spitz for defamatory statements. Um. This is settled out of court for an undisclosed amount of money. Maybe he got sixty. I was gonna say 600. I don't think six hundred was accurate. Sixty feels more accurate.
1: I, I, I there's a six there, so I don't know, but I I do know he got a lot of money.
2: So at one through ten, what is your likelihood of Burke being involved in this murder or being the murderer? Nine. I'm gonna give it a solid point five. 7 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now's where we get into the real bread and butter of these. Like this is how you can tell this investigation centered just around the family. The family. Cause yeah. these are the next viable victim. Uh, victims. No. Um, victims suspects. Suspects. Thank you. Um, Gary Oliva who is described by the Rolling Stone uh, by Rolling Stone magazine as the town drifter Gary was 30, cool. was a 32-year-old known sex offender in Boulder, Colorado, when JonBenet was found strangled to death in what looked like a potential sexual assault. Given that there was a droplet of blood on her underwear and the vaginal injuries, um, the convicted pedophile had been living in the area on and off when police allegedly found a magazine cutout of JonBenet Ramsey in his backpack after he was approached on drug charges in 2000. He was soon released, but suspicions remained. Um, the Ramsey family's longtime private investigator, Ollie Gray, once referred to Gary um, to Gary's ties to Bonnet as a, quote, bombshell arrest in the case and lambasted the Boulder PD for failing to consider him as a more credible suspect. Soon after Gary's high school friend, Michael Vale, uh, stepped forward with an allegation supporting Gray's suspicion. Vail claimed that not long after the murder, that Gary had called him on the phone and confessed to his longtime friend that he said, quote, I heard a little girl. I heard a little girl. Vail revealed to in Touch magazine earlier that, um, I think this was in 2018, Um, that this article ran. Vail revealed to an In Touch magazine article that year um, that he was particularly unsettled by how the knots used to fashion the garotte that his mother, I skipped a line, Um, that he, the garotte that strangled Bonnet were similar to those used in an incident where Gary had attempted to choke his mother with a telephone cord. Um, He said, quote, my blood ran cold when I read that. Um, Gary was also rumored to have possible connections to a theory that links the marks found on JonBenet's body to an encounter with a stun gun. Um, he had one on him at the time of his initial arrest. and um, he was
1: arrested four years after?
2: Yes. Okay. But it just shows that he was known to carry a study He up. did have one. Okay. Yeah. Um, while he too was cleared by DNA testing for JonBenet's murder, he was recently charged with two counts of sexual exploitation of a child for possessing child pornography. He was last reported by the Denver Post to have been arrested in June of 2018 and held on a $100,000 bond and is scheduled to appear in court later that fall. And I don't know what came of that, but... um okay so based on this how likely do you think this guy like how likely do you rate this theory we're not rating the people we're rating the theory
1: now Um, uh, the theory or the guy Uh, a, a
2: combination thereof because you can't have one without the other
1: I mean I'd give the theory a higher score than the guy himself okay I mean, the theory that a that a sex offender perpetrated this crime that was possibly a drifter and um, had a stun gun is pretty high on my list. Right. Um, the theory that this guy did it, maybe a four or five. Okay. Um, I think that, first of all, his friend's a piece of shit for then not reporting this.
2: Right. That's the thing I keep going back to. That the the person he reports to is in touch weekly, not Yeah, the not police. like the
1: the police. Yeah. That just sounds like a money grab, which is uh, not okay. I think so
2: too, <laughs> which I would have given this a seven out of ten, except for the friend. Sounds like he's so desperate for attention that it knocks it down to a five for me.
1: Yeah. I give the theory that that's what happened like a 7. But the theory that it's this particular guy like a 5. I
2: do also give it some credence that Ollie Gray the private investigator says that he was a likely suspect cuz um
1: mm-hmm.
2: I mean Ollie Ollie Gray did lots of hard work in this case. He
1: did.
2: Mm-hmm. Um so Which
1: and and again there's bound to be a case file bigger than both of our houses that has more information in there than oh, we know. Absolutely. As the
2: public. Um, so the next one um, also comes from Ollie Gray's reporting um, is Michael Helgoth, who is the electrician. So Michael Helgoth was an electrician who worked in a nearby auto salvage yard. Um, Ollie Gray referred to Helgoth as, quote, a hellraiser tied to an alleged property dispute involving the Ramseys. Um, it's been st- speculated that once the 26-year-old caught wind that he c- had been a suspect in the case um, because officials did find a boot print allegedly similar to his near the Ramses home. Um, the thing is, once he found out he was a suspect, he completed suicide. Um, His death occurred two days after a 1997 press conference announcing that the Boulder DA was zeroing in on a new suspect. Um, But he remains cleared as of yet by DNA and his death.
1: I mean, I think his death makes him more suspicious. I
2: think so, too.
1: This I'd give like an eight or a nine.
2: I give it an eight also.
1: I mean that guy looks good for the murder yeah <laughs> we
2: solved it alright
1: let's go <laughs> yeah okay we solved John Bonet. Uh please follow us on TikTok <laughs> happy
2: 100th <laughs> um, okay so we're down to our last four okay Okay, John Mark Carr the school teacher this one is oh I so remember this sucker oody. you remember this one yeah. So in 2006, mm-hmm. a former school teacher, John, Jean- John Mark Carr confessed out of the blue to the strangulation of Jean Bonet in graphic and sexual detail. He'd been arrested in Thailand where he'd been living out, living on the lamb after facing child pornography charges in the U S. Um, at the time he was 51 years old. He brought himself into the mess by reaching out to a professor at the university of Col- Colorado Boulder um he reaches out to him in an email in regards to a doc- documentary that that professor was making on the case and then like all of a sudden these emails take a turn where he reveals um his sexual fascination with John Benet and then he reports and so that professor reported the emails to the police who then arrest him in Bangkok as a possible suspect He's immediately flown back to Boulder for questioning. He's ultimately cleared after his DNA failed to match the profile of the unknown male found around the waistband of John Monet's long johns, which, as you and I both know, thanks to CBS, was, you know, the guy who packed the packaging. And that's the only clear answer. I
1: mean, it could have been John Mark Carr from Thailand. like <laughs>
2: Right. Um so Carr's demented confession involves a series of diary entries allegedly written from the scene of the crime and one dramatic account he recalls strangling JonBenet in a love game gone wrong. Quote, close your pretty eyes, sweetheart, reads the excerpt. I'm not going to read more of this excerpt because it's disgusting. Um, but he has written these diary uh, ger- diary entries that he says he wrote a the scene cry. of the crime, but there's no telling when he actually wrote these. Um, this broke international headlines. Um, and his Remember. earnest insistence on having killed her was enough to set off a media fiasco. Um, ultimately he was dismissed as a suspect and written off as a pedophile who was just after notoriety and fame. <laughs> Officials also failed to verify that he was ever in Boulder, According to a 2010 report by the Daily Beast, um, he is now living under a new identity and possibly under a different gender in the Pacific Northwest. So.
1: Yeah. Out of 10. Like a two.
2: Okay. I give it a one. This guy
1: is just a nutter. Uh-huh. He's just a nutter. Like, I mean, yeah, he's a pedophile and he's disgusting. He didn't kill that little girl. No. Um like why is he living in the Pacific Northwest though? Why isn't he in jail? Right. Where pedophiles go, they go to jail. <laughs> right.
2: So right? the next one is Linda Hoffman Pugh, the housekeeper. Oh, they God. gave them all titles, like this is the um clue. Like it's clue. <laughs> <laughs> Linda Hoffman Pugh had worked for the family as their housekeeper and her husband was their handyman. So it wasn't surprising that she was known to carry a key to the home, which would contribute to the no signs of forced entry. During the investigation of John murder, uh, Linda didn't even like come close to fitting the profile. They, their profile was a white male former convict, 25 to 30 years old. Um, but they start to interview her and she just flat out says that Patsy Ramsey accidentally killed John Bonet. She's like, I have no doubt in my mind that Patsy went crazy and killed her. Um, so Patsy claimed to investigators that Linda was struggling for money and had asked for a loan of several thousand dollars, which Patsy had declined. Um, So police show up at Linda's house the night of the murder and ask the housekeeper to write the number. 118,000 on a piece of paper. And then they take her fingerprints and several strands of her hair. She then testified in front of the grand jury for a total of eight hours, including a statement against Patsy that read quote, I think she had multiple personalities. She'd be in a good mood and then she'd be cranky. She got into arguments with John Bonet about wearing a dress or a friend coming over. I'd never seen her so upset. Um, so what you just described was like a mom who's pissed off
1: yeah (laughs) absolutely people that run to multiple personality disorder I feel like don't understand how actually rare it is to have multiple personality disorder it is not a common thing what is going on with your mic
2: Oh, is it making noise? Sorry. It's having some issues. I'm going to have to go in and edit that out.
1: Boo. Yeah,
2: that's okay. Um,
1: But yeah, I I think that uh, she didn't do it. And I think she was just pissy because Patsy named her. Right. And so, of course, after someone names you as the possible murderer of their daughter, you're going to be a bitch about it, right?
0: Right. There we go. Of course
1: you are. Um, so yeah, at that point I'd be like, yeah, that bitch does have multiple personality disorder cause she was nice to my face and then turned me over to the police. Right? Know, and didn't do anything.
2: <laughs> right. Um, so this theory asserts that the housekeeper led John Bonet down into the basement that night in an attempt to trick her employers into leaving the money for the ransom. Um, but they can, they hold that it's possible that she had seen John Ramsey's pay stub for the $118,000 holiday bonus. Um, she was familiar with the home and the family schedule. So she makes a convenient suspect and she didn't have an alibi. Her alibi was that she was asleep in bed, but her husband was asleep on the couch. So he couldn't even truly account for her whereabouts. Um, there's room to speculate that she could have been involved, but all evidence implicating her in the case is circumstantial at best. She's never been formally accused. So, I rate this theory a whopping 2 out of 10.
1: Yeah, I'm going to give it a 2. I don't think she was involved. Like, also, if she was... If the thing was really all about money, she wouldn't have then murdered her. Right, right. Uh Um,
2: So, my favorite outlandish theory... And I'm oh, just good. telling you up front that it is my favorite outlandish one. And then we'll get to the one that I actually thinks, think holds a little bit more credence. Um, so Bill McReynolds, the town Santa. Because every town Santa should be implicated in a murder. Why not?
1: Oh, yes. I've heard this.
2: <laughs> so Bill McReynolds, who's now deceased, was a friend of the Ramseys who dressed up as Santa Claus the week before John JonBenet's murder um, to entertain the neighborhood children at one of Patsy's famous Christmas gatherings. Um, he was an older man. Sorry, nope, I would just skipped a line. While an older man dressed as Santa makes a pretty good perp in a sexualized child murder, the possibility that the now deceased McReynolds had anything to do with JonBenet's death is extremely unlikely. And this is a quote from... Uh, Rolling Stone, there. Mm-hmm. McReynolds was rumored to have paid a little too much attention to John Bonet, going so far as to arrange a secret visit from Santa on Christmas. Supposedly, he'd chosen John Bonet to be his, quote, special friend, going so far as to bring a vial of glitter gifted to him by the six year old when he had to go into heart surgery. Um, he also asked his wife to mix the gold glitter in with his ashes were he to die. And that's a little strange. I will give that. Um, it's Oogie. That's weird. Um, so the particular story generated buzz in the Denver Post, but failed to amount to anything more than sensationalized character assassination of a friendly old man, says um, Rolling Stone. And I'm with them on that. Like, uh, it's it's I Oogie mean, at I, best.
1: I wouldn't call him a friendly old man. I'd call him a Oogie old man, but... He did, I don't think
2: he did it. I don't think he did anything. I think for sure the special attention he paid to John Bonet at that particular party is Patsy Ramsey was paying him to be Santa Claus. Of course, he's going to dote on the kid of yeah. his employer. Oh,
1: totally. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Out of My 10. People are crazy. Uh,
2: two. Okay. I thought you were about to say three and I was like, man, you're getting generous in your like exhaustion. No. I give it a one. Like I don't see anything except an oogie old man. No. Okay, so here's the one that I have landed on as my current favorite theory. Oh, okay, Randall Dewitt Simons, an Oregon photo, an Oregon man who'd reportedly worked as an Ramsey's- o-
1: o- Oregon, an Oregon photographer, just makes me think of an organ. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um. So, this Oregon man who had reportedly worked as John Bonet's photographer leading up to her murder was indicted on child pornography charges in July of 2019. After an A and W restaurant employee had alerted police that someone had been using their Wi-Fi in order to download quote inappropriate and concerning images like sir. I not that I'm supporting anyone do this but do that at home why are you using public wifi you fucking idiot
1: I think the general consensus is that if you download weird shit on public wifi they'll never know it was you
2: okay that's so stupid they'll always know it was you IP addresses are IP addresses like come on
1: Yeah, cause I, I used to date someone that would like download pirated movies and stuff at hotels <laughs> like on their wifi okay um let's see um and
2: so officials were able to connect the content to simon's after being linked to the investigation the one-time photographer's property was searched four laptops three camcorders two bags of writable discs and six cameras were found all with incriminating evidence um I'm going to give
1: this two thumbs
2: way down Uh for that nonsense. The now 67-year-old was later charged (laughs) with 15 counts of child pornography. He was released from jail in March after his attorney expressed concern that he could contract COVID-19 while behind bars. What? While he was not officially charged with the crime surrounding Ramsey's death... Simons' behavior and interactions with the late six-year-old has since been re-examined. Less than two years after JonBenet was murdered in Boulder, Simons had been arrested for walking down a street in Colorado butt-ass naked. He was subsequently ordered to undergo psychological evaluation. And in 1997, he reportedly sold a portfolio of JonBenet's glamour shots that had not been released for $7,500. He should have gone to jail for that. Right. Um, So in January, prior to Simons' prison release, the true crime podcast, The Killing of John JonBenet, The Final Suspects, which is so Mm -hmm. good. um, I haven't listened to it. I'll have to. They also took a look at Simons. Throughout the episodes, author Stephen Singular reached, uh, revealed that pageant moms who'd known Simons at the time stated that he would call them in the middle of the night while like drunk, screaming and crying. Um, per their accounts, he had repeated, I did not kill John Bonet. I did not kill John Bonet. Um so uh, okay. silence was later excluded due to his DNA not matching anything found at the crime scene, but some law enforcement officials have indicated that he continues to remain on their radar. So that is the most likely theory to me. In my yeah. non-professional expert opinion.
1: Yeah. I'm going to give that one like a, a nine. Uh-huh. You know, and, you know, everybody, I know we're going to get hate mail for not thinking the family did it.
2: Oh, I'm sure. But
1: and we're also it, royal it, you,
2: family you, sympathizers and
1: we yeah. complain a lot.
2: So let's get some hate mail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but here's the thing about... The idea that the family did it. First of all, if Burke hit her over the head, you have to then believe that that her parents found her. And even though she was still alive. Right. Strangled her to death in order to save their other child. Right. Right um they, those would have to be the most the three most sadistic and evil people on the planet oh, yeah 100 percent because i think just knowing how rich people work if burke had done it they would have sent him to boarding school
2: 100 percent, or military school
1: yeah and i also think that um if you believe either of the parents did it you're believing that the other one didn't love their child enough to roll over. I think right. it would have come out. Oh yeah. I think they would have rolled over. Um, Again, you know, the only secret you can keep is the one you keep with yourself. That's so what I was if about all to three say. of them knew what happened, I think first of all, if Burke had done it, he would have come clean by now because oh. that is not a secret you can carry around with you for your entire life. No. Um, And I think that, if the either the parents had done it, it would be. Um, I just I, I can't I can't get behind a parent strangling their own child with a garrot. Right. And where and then again, where did the taser come from? Where. You know, you meant train tracks. I, I, yeah, where I, did the DNA come from? You know, there's so many. If you're going to take that flying leap, you're leaving out so much evidence, right? I mean, I think the most likely scenario is the one that, um, Lou, um, Sm- what's his uh, last name? Uh-huh. Uh huh, Smith, Smith, laid out that there was an intruder already in the home when they came home. The ransom note was written for whatever reason, and here's the thing: maybe that this person had been watching them. Maybe he had gone through their trash and found a check stub for 118 thousand dollars. Maybe that's the whole thing is a red herring because we all know what he did. He didn't kidnap her. He murdered her. Right. Um. And I just, ugh. it's such it's such a sad case, and I can't believe I can't believe that. Th- That either two people, John and Patsy or three people, John, Patsy and Burke are both are all so sadistic and
0: deranged,
1: deranged that that they would be able to keep this between them. Right. This whole time.
0: Right. Well, I just
1: don't believe it's possible. And listen, the Ramseys fucked up big time. Oh, yeah. They should have talked to the police. They were obstructing justice. But I also think oh, when I said I would tell you what I thought happened in that like one day. Yeah. I think what happened is, you know, some of the news got out and maybe some of their friends are lawyers and are hearing talk about what went on. Uh-huh. in that house that day and people are telling them you guys like you guys fucked up. Yeah. Already. And they're going to be like, you, you're you going to be damn lucky if you don't get arrested for this crime, whether right. you did it or not. And so what's the most logical thing to do is to hire a lawyer and shut the fuck down.
2: Right, exactly. No, so. I, well, and not that I, not and that I. And I do
1: think the murderer was still in the house when the police arrived.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, I think that.
1: Because then by the time there's a million people there, your footprints don't get noticed as you walk away.
2: Oh yeah. One hundred percent. Um, and I while I don't agree with the obstruction of justice, I can imagine when it seems like you are not just being investigated, but you are, but you are corner, being yeah. they are actively trying to pin it on you rather than find the and that's that's the problem with this investigation and so many that we look at is they are not trying to find the murderer. They're trying to they're, trying, they're to trying to prove make that their, their theory narrative. is correct, which is they're not, not the same thing. They're trying to find thing.
1: the murderer. They're trying to close the case.
2: Right, exactly. Um, and, and it so... sucks.
1: And I think too the breakdown between the Boulder Police and the Ramseys is why this case is not solved. And it, it, it they have both made huge, huge mistakes here. Right. And I think they both got to a point where they were so against each other both in the media and probably by their own internal people uh-huh. that there was no way they were ever going to come together and try to work on this like, no. as a team no yeah. not
2: at all and I and I, I don't think that this case will ever be solved I don't either I think even a confession won't be good enough at this point because we've already had so many false confessions there have been mm-hmm. so many I didn't even mention the false confessions but there have been like 12 so
1: many yeah because people want to be, like, involved in something big, which I don't understand.
2: Right. Well, and, like, we have seen, we have seen I cases... I haven't
1: murdered anyone, and I won't be confessing to it anytime soon. Now, it's different if you're under duress, but that's not... Right. People were, like, voluntarily stepping forward and being like, I killed Bonet." Right.
2: Well, and <laughs> and... I mean, and the... We've seen... Who was it that confessed to so many crimes, but then they found out that, like police were feeding them information albert fish thank I know. you yeah um that like that happens more often than anyone would care to admit that i don't i don't know that i'll ever trust a confession i think that my life will end and we will not ever solve this this case will never be solved
1: i i agree i, I don't, don't see how it could be research, at this point yeah I mean unless unless they got a confession and also matched DNA, I think people will always have doubts. Yeah. It's horrible and and you know and again, like in the whole thing this little girl lost her life and gets lost in a shuffle yep. of the of the aftermath. Yep. It's And terrible.
2: and one of the things that Karen Kilgariff...
1: and she deserved she deserved better from her parents and from the police.
2: Oh, yes. One of the things that Karen Kilgariff pointed out whenever they covered this case is that, and and I mentioned it, but like you see the, the glamour headshots. They found a way to make this girl as inhuman as possible to put her on the covers of magazines and things. but But also... She is this blonde, beautiful, rich girl who's on the cover of magazines all the time. How many unsolved crimes against people of color are not oh on gosh. in Don't Touch Weekly, you know, and things like that? Mm-hmm. And that 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 is the other gross mishandling of justice in America that is that is not talked about with this case too. Is yeah. that is that we have spent twenty four years focused. With a lot of attention and a lot of resources on this case, why are there so many that are not getting attention?
1: Yeah. How many other little girls disappeared in December of 1996 that we've never heard of? Right. The whole thing is just awful and disappointing. And that's why I don't like this case at all.
2: So I'm glad. Thank
1: you for coming to my TED Talk.
2: (laughs) I'm glad we saved it for a hundredth so that we could um, hash it out. I feel like you and I are at a better place now. Um, (laughs) we fought over $118,000 and, um, and now we can move on and, um, we can heal from the wounds that, that you caused by being right about them writing checks. And, um, I will never forgive you for making a valid point while I was in the middle of a very emotional (laughs) argument. And so, um, I just, I don't know where we go from here. I really crying up. I've
1: convinced myself. i still feel fucking fantastic it's 2021 like nothing's gonna get me down you are just gonna have to sack up and move on no
2: as a as a white male i cannot be challenged on an audio media where there is record of you having a valid point so i'm gonna say fake news and that you rigged this recording so um
1: uh also uh (laughs) just to update you guys on the real news
2: yes okay so i was gonna say this He's ahead do what
1: loffler's losing thank
2: god
1: is still ahead but but
2: not by much that that has increased and john ossoff is a gorgeous and b like my age oh, and shit, i feel super 2, insignificant votes. yeah that's what i'm saying i think a lot i i don't think that there's much to worry about but i'm not putting all my eggs in any basket yet
1: i'm not either if we flip this in a tomorrow i will go get a bottle of champagne and celebrate oh, but other, uh, until then i'm waiting yep so yes
2: well could we thank
1: s- you for coming to this exciting episode yes
2: oh my gosh i feel like i feel like we should have done something more celebratory but i think just us being excited energetic passionate is so much more than we have been able to bring in the recent past that i just feel so renewed
1: i do too listen i'm glad that we can get into a fight that doesn't end with one of us being in real tears right not even a real fight a fake fight (laughs) right (laughs) because we have had
2: fake fights that ended in real tears that I have edited out of this fucking show (laughs) yeah
1: no we were gonna we were in the bad place (laughs) it was really dark and I, I wish I could I really wish I could like put into words how awful last year was for me, but yeah. I can't. So no. you'll just have to take my word for it. And
2: and it's not worth trying because we are moving on and no, we are, totally we are surrounding ourselves in light and um, you are, what is, I, I was about to quote that episode of friends where they're reading the women's empowerment book and it's like such stupid. You are my wind stealer, but I am a light keeper
1: or like whatever. <laughs> how can I grow? If you won't let me blow. Yeah.
2: <laughs> 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 oh, man. All right. Well, Erin, would you like to tell these lovely people where they can find us in the future?
1: Yes, you can find us at Lifetime Sentence on Instagram and TikTok. TikTok. At Life <laughs> Sentence Pod on Instagram. Uh, no, I'm sorry. On Twitter. Wow. So So we're at
2: (laughs) Lifetime Sentence on Instagram and TikTok and at Lifetime Sentence Pod on Twitter. You can email us at Lifetime You can can email us at Lifetime Sentence Podcast at gwell.com. You can find uh episode notes and kind of an ugly website that's being updated at lifetime that's also where you will find our merch when we switch over to our new merch store it will also be on our website but it will be a lot more easier a lot a lot easier to navigate um mm-hmm.
1: but you know who's going to get first access access to that merch
2: patreon members our
1: patreon members so please go to patreon.com slash lifetime sentence and subscribe to our patreon $1 gets you all audio content, and $5 gets you all the extra good stuff.
2: And lots of good stuff along the way. We have we have a calendar with things written on it, Go, y'all. Things we, are... we
1: have a real calendar oh. that I, I'm i trying to find so I can tell you what is next week, and I can't find it.
2: Oh, shit. We, look, I told you that this was New Year, New Us. But <laughs> by New Year, New Us, I mean that we – um. Are the same people that we've always been, but we are working out. And um oh, Erin just ran away. She is so done with this that she just pieced out and told me to vamp. So um I think she's going to get the calendar.
1: <laughs> okay, she's back. I have it. <laughs> oh my. God y'all I've been working out my ass hurts so bad <laughs> I can't believe I just ran <laughs> what the hell? okay next week is death in small doses
2: that's right death in small doses which is as you know um, the origin story of Flintstone Vitamins so we're excited to cover this <laughs> this topic <laughs>
1: You know, when, you out, when we run out of Lifetime movies, we should just make one up and tell it every week. Yes.
2: We'll just slide them in every so often, like, just to extend what we have. And um, after that is If Cars Could Fly, the Tommy Jensen story.
1: And then, just go <laughs> <laughs> and then there's A Volleyball and a Dream, the Tom Hanks story. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us and for celebrating okay. this very special second anniversary with us.
1: I hope you enjoy this extremely long episode. Still might
2: might be pushing um, Calendar Cop Killer, but there was a lot more content on this one than Calendar Cop Killer.
1: I, yeah, you are welcome.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, do not forget to eat every one of your vegetables.
1: And charge your phone because some things never change. (laughs) Bye. Bye.